Joshua chapter 3. If you have your Bibles this morning, hopefully you're already there. If you don't have a Bible, you can lean over to the person beside you. Uh, you can look off of them, or you can pull it up on an electronic device, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. I'm going to read from the New King James Version of the Bible today. And here's what the Bible says. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. They set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits or about a half a mile, is what that's equivalent to. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. God says, I'm taking you into a place that you've never been before. I want to take a few moments this morning as the Lord helps me and gives me what I need today to communicate to you. I want to preach on this thought, a new season. You say that with me? A new season. Say it one more time. A new season. Father, bless the reading of your word today. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us a heart to receive today, God. I pray that the word will do its work this morning, Father that hearts and lives will be changed today. And I love you and I thank you for what you're going to do. And the church together said amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for standing, Pastor Tony. Thank you. <clears throat> Let me begin this message this morning by making this statement that God operates in the realm of time and seasons. In my 40 years of living, and I'm just, I'm 40 flat, just 40. Not 40-ish, not 40s, I'm 40. I'm a young 42. Two months into my 40s. Here's what I've discovered, that life, life is seasonal. What that means is that life changes. Consider with me just for a moment the, the four natural seasons that transpire on this earth. From December the 20th until, or sorry, December the 21st until March the 20th, somewhere around there, the calendar says that we live in a winter season. From March the 21st until June the 20th, the calendar says that we live in a spring season. From June the 21st until September the 20th, the calendar tells us that we are living in a summer season. And from September the 21st until December the 20th, the calendar says that we are in a fall season, and then the cycle starts all over again. So God creates these natural seasons that we live in on this earth. 
But you have to understand that whatever happens in the natural, you can always draw a parallel in the spiritual. So if it happens in the natural, it happens in the spiritual. If it happens in the spiritual, it happens in the natural. Consider with me a few of these verses that that reveal to us a natural season and a spiritual season. In Genesis 8 and 22, here's what God says. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall never cease. Then you go to the book of Ecclesiastes. And the writer says this in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. And he goes down on those about nine or ten verses and says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. There's a time for war and there's a, a time for peace. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to, to weep and there's a time to laugh. And he's not speaking about natural seasons. He's speaking about spiritual seasons. Then in John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus talks about both a natural and a spiritual season when he looks at his disciples and says, do you not say that there are four months and then comes harvest? He's talking about a natural season. He says, but I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest, a spiritual season. Stay with me for a moment. And then you get to the book of Galatians chapter 6, verses 7, 8, and 9, and Paul says this, Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. That whatsoever a man soweth that, will he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the Spirit, he will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season... We will reap if we faint not. Paul's not, he's not just talking about a natural season there. He's talking about a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. If we'll hold on and we'll hang on, there will come a due season in our lives. So whatever you see in the natural, you can also see in the spiritual. It's important that you understand that God is not a duplicator. God is a creator. God never does things the same way. He never creates the same season for the same purpose over and over. It's always a new season that he takes us into. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Then in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, here's what God says. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, that word behold there means I want you to see, I will do a new thing, says the Lord. It shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I'll make a way in the wilderness. I'll make rivers in the desert. I'm creating something new, the Lord is saying. And just as God creates natural seasons that transpire on this earth. 
God also creates spiritual seasons in our lives. There are seasons of tears. There are seasons of trials. There are seasons of toil. There are seasons of transition. But yet there are seasons of triumph in our lives. And oftentimes we find ourselves in different seasons of life. And more oftentimes than not, we are living in a season and really, we have no control sometimes over what season we find ourselves in. So what do we do when we find ourselves in different seasons of life? Listen, we simply live in that season. That means that we embrace that season. We experience that season, which means that we learn what God is trying to teach us in whatever season of life that we find ourselves in. And here's what you need to know today, that no matter what season you find yourself in, it is not meant to destroy you. It is not meant to discourage you. It is not meant to derail you. It is not meant to detour you, but it is meant to define you, it's meant to develop you, and it's meant to distinguish you. What I want you to understand today is that whatever season you find yourself in, let God use that season to make you into all that he wants you to be. Because here's a truth I've come to find out. Life is seasonal, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. I don't know if you tweet or Facebook, that was, that's a good one to put up. And that, listen, I didn't, co- I, I didn't steal that from anybody. Life is seasonal. Change is inevitable. But growth is optional. What you do with that season is up to you. How you live in that season is up to you. What you learn from that season is completely and totally up to you. Life is seasonal. Change is going to happen, but what you get out of it is up to you and nobody else. This all right this morning? And when we get here to Joshua chapter 3, the children of Israel are on the brink of a new season. They are poised to walk in to a new season in their lives. 400 years of living under Egypt's bondage, Brother Gene Turpin, is over. 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness has finally come to an end. Their fearless Leader Moses has lived to the ripe old age of 120 years old. God has preached his sermon. He has delivered his eulogy. And somewhere on the top of Mount Nebo, God himself buried Moses. Read the Bible. And now, the one-time young apprentice an assistant to Moses, Joshua, has now been past the reins of leadership. And he is poised to take some two million people over into a land that God had promised them hundreds of years before. 
They are standing on the brink of a new season. And for the next few moments, I just want to, to tell you some things that the Lord just kind of laid on my heart. Let me, let me just tell you, last weekend after camp, I, I came home and I tried to get about four miles in a day for health and so I can eat. I exercise so I can eat. Because if I don't exercise and I eat the way that I eat, we're going to be in, I'm going to be in big trouble. So I'm out walking last Friday or last Saturday morning. The Lord just began to deal with my heart about some of this. And I came home and I just jotted some thoughts down and I filed it away. And I went out again yesterday and I was walking and getting my exercise in and my prayer time. And I get two words of one stone quite often when I do that. And the Lord just reminded me again and began to speak to me again. And any time that God gets ready to take you into a new season, there are certain things that are going to happen. Number one, God will remove some people from your life. I don't mean he's going to kill them. And I, listen, I'm certainly not advocating today if you're in a marriage and it's a tough season that you need to leave or kick your spouse out. I'm not saying that either. But there, there are certain times when God gets ready to take you into a new season. He will remove some people from your life. In Joshua chapter 1, here's what God said. Moses, my servant, is now dead. He's gone. And he says to Joshua, I want you to arise. I want you to go over this Jordan, you and all of these people, into the land that I have promised you. But Moses is not going with you because he's not here anymore. Anytime that God gets ready to take you into a new season and a new place, he will remove some people from your life. It may happen maybe in a physical sense where there are some relationships and some ties that are severed. Or maybe there's somebody you've been carrying in your heart, in your mind, that you know that it's time to move on, it's time to let them go, it's time to start new. Anytime God gets ready to take you into a new season, he'll remove some people from your life. Here's why. Because everybody is not meant to go with you into this new season. There are some people that can't go with you into this new season. I'm reminded of what happened in Genesis chapter 22 when God comes to Abraham and he puts him to this, this great test of taking his son, his only son Isaac, up to the top of a mountain that God was going to show him and to lay him down on an altar and to offer him as a, as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice to God. And Abraham packs up his boy Isaac and his servants and the donkey and they begin to make their way in three days into the journey. God said, Abraham, stop. There it is. That's where I want you to take your boy. And in Genesis 22 and 5, there's something very interesting there. It says that Abraham looked at the servants and said, You stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back 
to you again. Now, while yonder in that context is speaking of a geographical place of going higher, Abraham was getting ready to embark on a spiritual journey and was getting ready to experience God in a way that he had never experienced him before. God was going to provide for Abraham in a way that Abraham had never seen before in his life. So while they were going physically to a place called yonder, Abraham was in a sense going to a new season spiritually. He was going to find God to be Jehovah Jireh and when he looked at the servants that day, he said, you stay here at the foot of the mountain with the donkey and the lad and I are going into a new season to worship and we will come back again. There are times that God will call you to a higher place in him. There are times that God will call you into a new season and you cannot take everybody with you. They're not meant to go. They're not supposed to go. You know why? They don't have the desire. Some don't have the discipline and some will delay you from getting where God wants you to go. So here's my my counsel to you today. When God calls you up to a higher place, you've got to let some people go because there are some folks that will always be content to maintain at the foot of the mountain and keep the donkeys. But God is calling some of you into a season that you've never been into before. You'll have to look at some folks and say, listen, you stay here, but I'm on a journey. I've got a destiny that God is calling me to. If you want to go, come on, but I cannot wait on you. When God gets ready to take you into a new season, he'll remove some people from your life. Listen, you can't get to some places God wants you to go because you're holding on to an old soul tie somewhere. Oh, God help me right there. Some of you are still living in a past relationship that you knew that God didn't want you to have, but you just can't seem to let go of it. Some of you are holding on tightly. The folks that wounded you and hurt you and has left you scarred and broken and bruised and bitter. And you'll never get where you need to go until you let them go. And God will remove some people from your life. Number two, before God takes you into a new season, he will remind us of the promise of his presence. Here's what you have to know today. God is not going to take you into a new place or a new season all by yourself. God will go with you. There were four separate occasions that God promised Joshua his presence and his success. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 3, God says to Joshua, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, I have, that's past tense. That means it's already done. That means that God was going to beat Joshua into his season. Oh, I'm not going to get a whole lot of help on Sunday morning. That's all right. I have, listen, Every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given to you as I said to Moses. You know what that was? That was a reminder to Joshua that God had already guaranteed and taken care of the promise. 
Here's the second place, Joshua chapter 1, verse number 5. God says, no man shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9, God again comes and he says this, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then in Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 7, God says, This day I will begin to magnify thee in the sight of all of Israel, so that these people may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Here's what you have to know today, that any time that God gets ready to take you into a new place and into a new season of your life, listen, he is not going to let you fail. He will not let you fall. And he will not let you falter. But here's the word of the Lord today to some people who are looking at something new on the horizon. God said in Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Everything that Joshua had experienced up to that point in his life, was simply preparation for this new season that God was taking him into. And God was not going to allow him to go by himself. He said, Joshua, I am with you. I won't let you go by yourself. Number three, anytime God gets ready to take us into a new season, he will realign us at a passageway of transition. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says that Joshua rose early in the morning and he set out from Acacia Grove. And when they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. Here's the phrase I want you to see in verse 1. When they came to the Jordan. When they came to the Jordan. At that moment, God has brought them to a passageway of transition. A passageway of change. And once they step over and into that Jordan River, things will never be the same for them again. They are staring change right in the face. They are looking dead into the eyes of transition. God, who brought them there, Pastor? God brought them there. God positioned them at that place and at that time in their lives. And now they are faced with a decision. Do we take the step and do we cross over and do we, do we leave life as we know it behind or do we stay on this side of the shore and keep doing what we've always done? And if we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always got and we're going to forfeit the promised land God said we could have. 
Are you here today? Are you with me? It was the same place that God brought Moses when he came to the Red Sea, Brother Stout. I mean, at that moment, that day, Pharaoh's army is pursuing. They hear the hoofbeats of the horses and the chariot's wheels. And Moses has a choice. Do I stay here and do I let Pharaoh and his army destroy us or do I trust God to do what he said he was going to do? And when they crossed that Red Sea, life for them would never be the same again. They finally were able to leave Egypt's bondage. I'm telling you that God, just prior to taking you into a new season, he will bring you to a passageway of transition where change will be on the horizon, where you will look at where you are and then you'll look at where God is calling you and you will say it's much more comfortable over here. And it's much easier over here. But I know over here, I can't get what's over there. But if I stay here, I can't get there and I'll forfeit all that God has for me. God brought them to that place. But what they did next was completely and totally up to them. I'm going to tell you, God can bring you to a certain place, but God can't force you to go with him. He can, but he won't. God can bring you to a place in your life that change is looking you right in the face. And transition is looking you right in the face. You know the old saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. God will never force you to do anything you don't want to do. And there are some of you, you are kicking and screaming against this new season that God wants to take you into. Because you understand that once you step into this season, life as you know it will never be the same again. You understand that if you step into this new season, the comfortable life you had on this side will not be found over here on this side. And you understand that things are going to change and the landscape's going to change and relationships are going to change and the the, the bar is going to be raised and you're wondering, God, do do I step into the season that you have for me? I want you to hear me today. God will bring you to the passageway of transition, but God will not force you to cross over. Here's the last thing. When God gets ready to take us into a new season, number one, he'll remove some people from our lives. And there are some of you, you need to cut some ties. You need to cut some relationships in your life. Number two, God will remind us of the promise of his presence. Number three, God will realign us at a passageway of transition. Here's the fourth thing that will happen when we get ready to step into a new season. God will require us to pursue his purpose for our lives. Watch this. This is my last point. Joshua 3. If you read the whole context of the story, the people of Israel have come to the Jordan River. Once they cross over the Jordan River, it's going to position them at a place called Jericho, and Jericho will be the first city that they conquer in order to inherit the promise that God gave them hundreds of years prior, a place of their own. 
a land to live in, a land that flows with milk and honey, a land that will belong to them. 400 years in Egypt's bondage, and God said, I'm going to give you your own land. I'm going to give you your own place. I'm going to give you homes to live in. I'm going to give you fruit of the land. It's going to be a wonderful place. When they get to the Jordan River, they're still on this side of the promise. And if they don't step into the Jordan and step across the Jordan, they're going to forfeit the promise. Now, here's, here's the problem. When they get to the Jordan, the Bible says that it was at flood stage. It says it was at a time when the, the waters would overflow their banks. When they get to the Jordan that day, it was a river that was completely and totally out of control. And listen, whatever you've heard or whatever you've studied here, don't, don't be fooled. It was not just some little creek bed. It was a massive river at flood stage. I mean, it was, it was completely and totally out of control. God's instructions were for the priest who would carry the, the Ark of the Covenant, symbolic of the presence and the glory of God. They were to go out in front of the people, and they were to keep a space of about 2,000 cubits or a half a mile. And God says, I want you to stay far enough behind it. Don't get too close but stay far enough behind it so you can see where God is leading you because you have never passed this way before. And if you don't follow the presence of God and follow his leading, you'll never get where God wants to take you. So the priest carrying that box overlaid with gold, they start out on their journey, and here's the instructions God gave them. When they come to the banks of the Jordan River. Here's what God said. He didn't tell the priest to pray that it will go down. He said, you're to step your feet in to that flooded river. Read the Bible. It's overflowing its banks. It's a river that's completely and totally out of control, and the priests are going to have to step their feet in. And as soon as they do, you go read verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3. The waters that were flowing downstream... The waters that were flowing down from the melting snow and that caused the river to overflow its bank, those waters that are flowing down, all of a sudden, somehow, supernaturally, God just starts to push those waters back. And all of that melting snow that was feeding into that Jordan River, they're flowing, they're flowing downstream. They're flowing down into the Jordan River from upstream now. They're flowing down. All of a sudden, those waters are just held back. And as soon as the priests step their feet in, the, the waters begin to recede instantly. If you read the story, it says that when the priests stepped in, that the waters began to recede and the waters dried up. And it says that the people walked as the priests stood. They had to stand in the middle of the river till all two million people crossed over. Read the story. They stepped their feet in, and as soon as they stepped their feet in, the river starts to recede. The waters stop flowing, and they, be, they, they eventually make their way to the middle of that riverbed. And the Bible says that the priests stood there in the middle of that riverbed until every single person crossed over. And the Bible says they crossed over completely on dry ground. Now think about that. So when they get to that river, flooded river, overflowing its banks, it's everywhere. The priests step in. The waters recede, and they stand in the middle of that riverbank and 
somewhere between two and four million people walk across completely on the dry ground. Pastor, come, come play softly, please, for me. <clears throat> Had they not stepped into that river that day, they would have forfeited the promise that God had made to them. And if you don't step into what God is calling you to, you're going to miss your season. It was Leonard Ravenhill that said that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. I'm going to say that again. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Had they come to that river that day, and had they decided it was too violent and it was too flooded and it was too difficult, I'm convinced, Brother Turpin, they would have never inherited that promised land that God had for them. purpose that God has for your life is found in this next season he's calling you into. Listen, everything that God had promised those people, Pastor Weaver, it was on the other side of the Jordan. You can't get what's over there standing over here. You can't get what God has in this next season of your life by continuing to live in the old season that you're in. At some point, you've got to leave the old season. And you've got to, listen, seize your season. Everything God promised them was on the other side of the Jordan. But how, how are they going to get it? They had to step into their season. I understand this is not for everybody this morning. I understand this is not going to resonate with everybody today. It may only resonate with a few of you. But I'd like to present and pose this question to you today. What's hindering you and what's keeping you from stepping into your next season. You do realize that the season that God has you in right now, it's not the same season that God has somebody else in. And the season that God's calling you into is not the same season he's calling somebody else into. Because God's not a duplicator, God's a creator. And there's some of you today saying, Pastor, I this resonates with me. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, don't, I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can take that next step. Here's the number one thing that will keep you out of your season God has for your life. It's a capital F, capital E, capital A, capital R. It's called fear. Just raise up your hands where you're seated today. Just welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, we bless you.